back, everybody, to the TV podcast. I'm Jason Snell, joined as as usual by Monty Ashley. Hi, Monty. Hi, Jason. We talk. We we watched Hard Home season five, <laughs> episode eight. It didn't look that hard. Well, well, at the beginning of the episode, it wasn't quite so hard. By the end, yeah, kind of hard. Well, I'm thinking something hard should stand up against punishment, which no. that place did not. No, it didn't. That probably hadn't been tested by a uh, you know thousands of zombies before angry angry dead zombie people things you know maybe but you know i think i think the free folk just like to you know have tough names hard home it's our home it's hard what Burr. yeah exactly they would have called... the odds what are the odds that there's gonna be a skeleton avalanche will be fine yeah it's it's astronomical i mean it could happen but it's highly unlikely except for you know that's when it happens. So uh, we'll get we'll get there. Uh, let's start. Why don't we start <laughs> with uh, we'll we'll start with a fascinating set of scenes uh, that took place in this episode in Marine, where uh, Daenerys has met Tyrion for the first time, and they have a little conversation somewhere, which is funny. I I thought because it picks up not where we left off last week. So I guess last week when. He, when Tyrion appeared and said, "I'm my name is Tyrion Lannister," dun, 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 fade out. I guess what Danny did was say, "Oh, that's interesting. Let's pick this up tomorrow back in my chambers." Yes, I'd like to have my conversations from twenty or thirty feet above yeah. my uh, opponent. Yeah, I did. I, I liked the scene. Um, oh, there's a scene a little bit later with them where, um, where the uh, is it? Or, no, no, it is. It is. It is this one. Um, it is in this scene. Uh, he he moves to step up a couple of stairs toward her, and her guards like you know snap to attention, and she's like, "No, no, no, it's fine." And he goes up a couple of steps and stops. And I thought, "Wow, that's a lot of effort just for some some stage directions." <laughs> like he's not coming up to see you; he just wants to kind of distance himself from from Jorah. Yeah, and and you know, again, move around theatrically. And with the greatest respect to Tyrion. He's not going to lunge up those 20 steps and attack her. This is also true. What kind of a threat is it if he... Then again, the, you know, her guards are down below. So if somebody really ran up the steps, could they catch him? Again, with the greatest respect to Tyrion, <laughs> yeah. somebody could. But probably not him. I, I feel like Tyrion's legs just aren't built for quickly running up stairs of that stairs. slope. Yeah. You, you may be right. You may be right. So Tyrion introduces himself. This this is what we've wanted to see for so long. Uh, <laughs> characters that that have finally get to meet. He introduces himself as the greatest Lannister killer. He killed his mother in childbirth and killed his father with a with a bolt through the heart. That's only two Lannisters. Surely mm-hmm. somebody's killed more than that. Uh, pro- possibly. He killed important Lannisters. And and uh, and Daenerys says, uh, I, you know, I want to see if you you know you. Uh, deserved my uh to you know my employment and he says well i i don't know if you deserve my service which i think is a very Tyrion thing to say Um, yeah she she threatens to throw him back into the pits he doesn't seem to take that threat seriously at all i i I feel like Tyrion is approaching this entire thing from a position of he has nothing you know he's playing with the house's money he has nothing to lose he's like literally like hey i could do this or you could kill me whatever I was already sentenced to death once. Now I get to do whatever I want. Yeah. Step one, kill dad. Yeah, exactly. Step two, something involving a box on a boat. (laughs) Step three, profit. 
we're still looking for step three. Yeah. Um, I like the line in this scene. I mean, it's, it's a nice give and take here. Um, he's trying to convince her that uh, sort of, but not that hard. <laughs> you know, he's he's willing to have her be convinced and answer questions in that regard about him working for her. Um, I like how she says, uh, you know, I'm just going to go over there and kill everybody. And he and he says killing in politics, not always the same thing. Mm-hmm. I thought that was my, really nice. My favorite line was him reminding her, you're going to need to inspire devotion and lots of it. Yep, that was really good. Which there's going to have to be some stage management. Yeah, yeah. No, this is the. I think this is what we what a lot of us have been thinking all along about Daenerys, which is she's a really interesting character. But we've been seeing the Game of Thrones be played out in Westeros, and she's not. Um, you know she she's not playing that game really because she's not doing the politics thing so much as she, she you know she swept up followers and she you know got an army and stuff like that but she's much more about conquering and not so much about the ruling well i really liked Tyrion's recommendation to her in their second scene where he said there's more to the world than westeros yeah like you're doing fine here and westeros is about to be attacked by thousands of undead monsters yeah yeah he he uh she he's like oh yes the iron throne perhaps you want something else yeah (laughs) you should perhaps you should want something else is what he says because she says you'll help me get what i want um and she again they they have this it's really amusing actually there's the i could kill you it's like well yes you could go ahead if you want to do that otherwise let me send another singer your way <laughs> and that goes on for a while yeah. and it's really enjoyable but before that happens he has to he, she she puts him on the spot and says what do i do with jora and i thought that was really good cuz he, he he's thinking about it and he steps up a few steps dramatically um and uh and he he thinks about it and i i love how tyrion um, and, and you notice how he's brought out his Hand of the King thing, because that was his best moment, right? He's like, you know, when I was the Hand of the King, the king things were pretty good, especially since the king was an idiot. Um, Who tortured animals. Tortured animals instead of worrying about his people. Um, but he says, look, this guy is, he's a different man. He uh, he is completely devoted to you. Um he could be valuable, but at the same time, he betrayed you. He had lots of opportunities to tell you about it. He didn't. Um, you know, she's like, so you should you should kill him. And I like that that he says, well, you don't really want to kill everybody who's devoted to you, but he can't be around because you know he can't be trusted. And that that's a really good, clear-eyed analysis of it. I was kind of hoping he was going to say something like, we could put him to use somewhere else, but he needs to not be here. But that may be a plot development for a later time. But for now, it's more like just get him out. And then there's that moment where. Where, where Jorah steps outside of the gate. And I felt so bad because, you know, he's been kicked out yet again by Daenerys, who he loves. Yep. He brings her this thing. He's like, oh, this is going to do it. <laughs> and then he looks at the grayscale that's growing on his arm that's his death sentence, essentially. And he has this moment where I just looked. It's like, Jorah, I don't know what's left for you to do. Like, this is just, what 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 is there to do? Yeah, he's he's out of options. He had this grand plan, which I assume came to him in the last second in the bar. <laughs> Yeah. And incidentally, that uh, bar slash brothel, do you think he was there just because they had a Daenerys impersonator? That's an interesting thought. Well, right. anyway, he, <laughs> he saw Tyrion and he said, this is my plan. He moves heaven and earth to get Tyrion back. It doesn't work. And then he just staggers out into the desert. 
Yeah, and goes and goes to back to the slave master and says, um, "I, I want to fight in the pit." It's like, yeah, once again, dude. She she doesn't want to answer your calls. Yeah, she's not going to go. Oh, <laughs> this time I love him. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially because she already knows he's a great fighter. Yeah. Well, maybe he's. I don't know. I, I don't think I can't find rationality here. I think Jura is completely nuts at this point. I think he is completely nuts. He loves her. He'll do anything. He keeps trying things. They're not going to work. You know, I do. I do wonder if you know if they get to a point where finally Tyrion says, "Look, he's really good at fighting. Send him. Send him somewhere to do some fighting." But yeah. he just, you know, we just don't want him around here because he is, he is, he is crazy and not to be trusted. But at least he loves you and is loyal. So I like how he also says that to the Tyrion in his short time with Jorah is like probably loves you. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I got, I got him. You know, he's got it. He's like, I, I know, I got this guy red. I know what his deal is, which is that's a good sign for Tyrion. Like Tyrion, Tyrion is smart. He gets what's yeah. going on, and she realizes that. And then uh, later, of course, uh, Daenerys makes a speech about how she's going to break the wheel that represents which house is doing the best. Yeah, so so um, so much in that scene, but but we'll let's let's jump to that part first, um, even though it's right at the end. How dare you not be chronological? That's eh, fine. I um, got. I have kind of a meta system of notes. Okay, that's good. I like your meta system. We'll go with it. I I really liked that last part because I felt like. Um, we get an, well, I turned to my wife afterward and I said, see, after a year of having Daenerys just kind of wander around and do things, suddenly, you know, she spends five minutes with Tyrion and, and like, you know, I'm saying, I love it when a plan comes together because <laughs> at least here, here we get something that seems more, much more decisive from her where, where he's like, yes, yes, the wheel, you know, there's Targaryens and there's Baratheons and, and there's Lannisters and whatever. And, and everybody thinks they're going to stop the wheel. And she says, I'm going to break the wheel. I'm going to be a, a revolutionary. And I thought that was a really effective scene. And I thought that it, that it made me feel like, oh, you know, Daenerys is, is, we probably could have observed this, but she's thinking of the bigger picture. She's got a, her ideas may all not be fully formed, but she's not, you know, she, she doesn't, this is how she's been behaving all along. I suppose she doesn't want to play this game. She just wants to smash the game. And I think that's actually good tactics because it's so much work to keep track of which house is doing the best right now. Like Tyrion's latest information is that the Tyrells are in the ascendant, but that's probably not true anymore. Yeah. What with multiple important Tyrells being held prisoner. Yeah, I think I I mean obviously they haven't gotten the uh the latest newspapers about what's going on. But I like that I like that thought that you know who who do you have and and that that shows the value of Tyrion, right? It's like he knows all the houses, he knows all the players. Um, he do, he does, but his news is already out of date. It is, but I mean the point is that he knows he knows the the big picture here, and and he can like the fact that the Lannisters are not going to ever be involved, and that and that the Baratheons are never going to be involved, and like ticking off the houses. There may be some current events, but he's got like the lay of the land, and could probably get up to speed pretty quickly on what the on what the latest news is. Probably before they even set sail, they would he would he would know more of the details of it. But I like I like that that it, it no it doesn't suggest what his solution is to the fact that there's almost nobody there. I like that she's like, but I'm going to rule with the people, the common people. And it's like, all right, well, first off, <laughs> your whole claim to rulership is is nobility. 
So, yeah. although then again, dragons, maybe not. Um, and, and, and then second, uh, he makes the point. It's like, how's that going for you here? <laughs> not having any of the rich or powerful people uh, yeah. supporting you. She already had to suck up to one of the local rich houses. If she has to do that for every land she conquered, she's going to end up married to a lot of people. Yeah. I don't know. No, I don't know if that's legal in Marine. Um, Anything's legal when you're in charge of the country. I suppose that's true. She can make it whatever she wants. Um, I liked we're two terrible children of two terrible fathers, to which she says, I'm terrible. And he says, yes, but I'm trying to see if you're the right kind of terrible. Yeah. I enjoyed that. <laughs> that was really nice. Somebody who's, who's entirely kind and generous is not going to work out. No. Um, and and uh, the and the right kind of terrible prevents your people from being you know in worse in even you know even more so that that's good. He talks about Varus. She's like, oh, that Varus. He you know he was spying. That was who Jorah was spying for. But he's like, no, I actually trust him. I think that you know he was looking out for you. And uh, the only people I trust are him and my brother. Which leads to another one of those. You mean the one who killed my father? And it's like, well, it's your queenly prerogative to kill me if you like. <laughs> Whatever. And yes. then, although she takes this wine glass, which also made me laugh. That's the, maybe, if you're going to advise me, not so much wine. Yeah, she, uh, I'm worried that she's going to keep trying to get him to stop drinking. But yeah. that's almost his only character trait at this point. Yeah. Well, that's not his only one. He's also smart and clever, but. I think if he's focused on his job, he he is not uh, gonna. I think the drinking is part of his self destruction, um, and that and his self loathing. And the more that he's working things out, I think the less that will less that he'll do it. That's my that's my feeling. Is that although he will like he would like some wine, I think his his drinking gets more heavy when he uh, he you know he has nothing else to do, which has been the last two seasons basically. Yeah. Well, in that case, hopefully he'll have lots of plans now. I don't feel like he needs to spend an episode solving her local problems. No, I, I kind of like to. Well, I mean, he might need to get her like up, up and running, um, and not threatened in in Marine. But really, yes, should we not be planning for you know phase phase two of the plan now? Yeah. Let's I'm, get I'm this not, Westeros thing going. I'm not saying they need to attack right now, but at least. They have somebody there who can talk about what their plan might be in the future. Right. Yeah. Tell me about the dragons. Do you have control of the dragons? Oh, dear. Well, let's see what we can do about that. You know, just what li- it really is. It's like the Princess Bride. We need a list of our uh, all of our assets here before I can put together my plan. You know, one possible asset would be Varys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, when they mentioned him, I thought, oh, maybe Varys needs to... Uh, to to either report in or be given some orders of what you know what to do next. Of course, we haven't seen him since Tyrion got yanked out of that bar. No, it would be nice to see Varys, and presumably, if if he's watching out for Daenerys, he's making his way uh, to Marine too. But who knows? Anyway, that was those scenes were fun, and I feel like I feel like finally we got these people together who can actually have that conversation about. So you know, so you want to sit on the Iron Throne? And that that the, they are both smart and uh, qualified people to have that conversation. So season five, episode eight, they finally get down. <laughs> yes, I'm delighted that somebody is willing to look Daenerys in the eye and say, "What is it you want anyway? Yeah. You, you are you do plan on going to Westeros? Great. Yeah, I want, and I like how she says, you know, this is great. I've, I'm doing this stuff here and all that, but that's my home, and and that's good too because that's been always one of the questions is, you know, why? What do you really want? 
So I, I thought that was I thought that was good. I thought that that was a really great scene for Daenerys. Yeah. All right. So in King's Landing, <laughs> we spend a lot of time in a cell with Cersei. They try to give her water, but only if she'll confess, and she won't confess. Instead, she does not getting the whole idea of being incarcerated. She just shouts threats at the at the the, the nun who is bringing her the water and taunting her with it. Well, more most of a threat. She should have picked a signature threat that's shorter than, my face will be the last thing you see before you die. Yeah. Because that gives people a long time to whack you over the head with a wooden ladle. Mm-hmm. Which she does. Yep. Yep. I, th- I imagine everybody out there is, I-, I was perfectly delighted to see Cersei brought low like that. She sucks, she sucks some water off the ground at one point. Yeah, she has been brought low. She has been. And we actually learn what her specific charges are. Yes, fornication, incest, the murder of King Robert. Yeah. And she says, oh, no, no, none of those. Those are all lies. Mm-hmm. Those are all 100% true. So is it her new uh, her new guy who's the, the the guy who's also working on the, like, the Frankenstein on the bench? Is that the guy who comes and talks to her? I believe so. All right. I hope the, so. At the end, he says, the work continues. Yeah. And then disappears, which was really creepy. And I thought that that was him. He was referring to this mysterious, weird work that he's doing. Yeah. He also reports that Uncle Kevin has come back to be the hand yep. and King Tommen is sulking. And won't eat sometimes. <laughs> yep. But he won't come. He won't talk to anybody. He won't come visit his mom or his wife. In uh, actually, that's that's what would have been very funny. Is he's like, oh, he's been here. He just visits Marjorie instead of you. <laughs> well, again, Cersei's last words to him were, "You absolutely have to stay out of this. You can't pick a fight with the sparrows." Yeah. And then uh, in a in a nice uh, moment for Cersei, uh, she gets it all out there. She says, "I won't confess. I made him." That commoner, I will not beg his for, her forgiveness. So very clearly, you know, she, this was all part of her plan. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, she made her bed and now she's lying in it. Her bed is a piece of dirt on a floor in a dungeon. Yeah. It's nice. <laughs> I hope Marjorie's being more sensible. I hope so. I hope so. Well, she doesn't have a whole lot to confess about. That's the thing. She could just say, yes, I was protecting my my brother, I love him. He he does have sex with boys. It's fine. It's cool to me, but whatever. You guys don't like it. You you, you know, all right. When in Rome, <laughs> when in King's Landing and the King's Landing is taken over by crazy people. I mean, did I say that out loud? Yeah. I meant Yeah. But she could do that. She's like, "Oh, you know, I love my brother." And so uh, that's why I was doing it, and you're right, and I'm sorry. And they would, you know, the the, the danger is they're going to be like, thank you for your confession. Off with her head. <laughs> it's possible. If Marjorie knew that they had Cersei, I think she could safely assume that Cersei was the focus of their action. Right. Because by any standard, Cersei is a more high-profile subject and also has committed more crimes. Well, maybe the king, you know, maybe releasing the king to um to uh the king's wife to the king makes it a little bit easier in the end i don't know they uh, might want to arrest the king yeah. for being illegitimate or whatever or whatever yeah well he's pretty innocent 
That's oh, his problem. Okay, we, we let's uh, we we we've got a few short stops before we get to the big part of our episode. <laughs> so we stop in Winterfell. Sansa has a scene with Theon, um, where she basically says, "Why, why, you know, why did you not go do what I say, and why'd you why'd you rat me out to Ramsay?" And Theon tells a little ver- version of his story about how you know there's no escape. They cut away Theon in pieces, and she responds by saying, good, you're the reason I have no family. <laughs> he says, I killed those boys. Those weren't just boys. They were my brothers. And he says, no, they weren't. They were, oh, I've said too much. Yeah, Theon's just terrible at he, this. He is, he is, yeah, yeah. I, I, I get Ramsey, you know, wanting to keep him as a pet or something, but yeah, Theon is not, he's not good at any of this. But this but, is also a huge story moment because for the first time, Sansa knows that other members of her family are alive. Are somewhere. alive. Bran and Rickon. We don't know where they went, but they weren't dead when they left here. So yeah. that's a, that's good news for that. Good. That's a glimmer of hope for Sansa in a dark time for her, which is nice. And that. And then he leaves. <laughs> He's yep. like, what, "Tell me more." And he's like, "I gotta go." <laughs> And that's it for that scene. And then we get a scene with Roose Bolton and Ramsey where they're plotting their their uh, plan against Stannis. And Roose Bolton says we can wait him out and let yep. him starve. And Ramsey says, no, you've got you to gotta hit them because then the whole North will know what will happen when Southerners will come here. And you've got to make a point. Ramsey. And Roose says, I would be an idiot if we, if we gave up a defensive advantage. And Ramsey says, you don't need to do that. Just give me 20 good men and I'll take care of it. Let me be that idiot. <laughs> yeah. like, I always thought the whole point of Winterfell is that you hole up in it and withstand sieges. Yeah. And yeah. Ramsey... Is not as patient as his father. Yeah, but I do worry about this. I worry that 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 Ramsay is not being set up for to be slaughtered, but instead that Ramsay is going to do something terrible to Stannis. And while I don't love Stannis, I would really rather that the Boltons be slaughtered and run out of uh, of Winterfell. Yeah, uh, I did think it was fun that Ramsay. I think it was Ramsay said, "We'll kill them and leave a feast for the crows." Yes. Yes, that's the title of one of the books. Hit hard and leave a feast for crows. Nobody's been dancing with dragons yet, but no. we could hope. Yeah, wait, wait for it. Tyrion's going to go check on the dragons and have to dance out of the way of the fire, perhaps. I'm still crossing my fingers that the last line of the series, somebody just turns to the camera and says, well, this certainly has been a Game of Thrones. <laughs> then they all laugh and it freeze frames. No, it, no it'll be, uh, we all sang, we, I guess we've all sung our song, of ice and fire. <laughs> the end. Yes. Um, at the wall, we get a scene with Sam and Gilly, and they uh, are visited by Ollie. Sam asks how Gilly's doing, and Gilly asks how Sam's doing. Um, and then Ollie knocks on the door to bring them food and act skeptical about the fact that the wildings are really bad and killed his family, and they were just <laughs> farmers. And... And Sam gives a nice speech about how sometimes a man just has to make hard choices, to which Ollie <laughs> says, you really believe that? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like how St- Sam started to say, well, they're, they're people. There are good people and bad people. And Ollie had to point out, Tormund was the one leading the charge yeah. on my village that killed my parents in front of me. Yeah. And we saw that. That was... Yeah. That, we saw that. Gilly did it. Then he yeah. killed Gilly. Yeah. This is the, um, yeah. No, it's uh, not Gilly. Um, oh, sorry, Egret. 
You know nothing. Yes, uh, yes. Gilly doesn't have any cute catchphrases like that. She's more like, I'll go check on little Sam. That's yeah. Her, that's her catchphrase. I'm scared, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 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 I I, uh, I think that the message here with Ollie and everything is that even if John's doing the right thing, he has no support for what he's doing. Yeah. It's not just the evil people that don't like hanging out with the wildlings. Even the relatively unscarred Ollie is like, those guys? Right. John's support is evaporating because I think his uh, people who voted for him still don't don't get this thing. But then again, they're going to they're, well, they're going to return with with news of what has just happened north of the <laughs> wall, which is where we should go now to hard home. <laughs> oh, did something happen up there? It is the title of the episode and something may have happened. I do seem to have about half my notes after the words past the wall. Well, uh, the good news is I figured this would be a short episode because all we would need to do is fight <laughs> because it's one of those episodes. So you and I will now do, we'll just, I'll insert the clanging of swords here. Oh, and, that's uh, an old recapper's trick, by the way. You can just write, they fight. They fight. Yep. And the end. And Takes scene. up about half of some uh, Arrow episodes. Yeah. So north of the wall, Tormund is there. This is the this is hard home where the wildlings live, and uh, they come to. He says to John, "We are fools together now." The Lord of Bones appears and says untoward things about them, to which Tormund basically smashes the Lord of Bones <laughs> until he's dead. Yep, and says, uh, "Let's have that meeting I was talking about." There was clearly a threat when he said, "I'm not giving orders." Yeah, that was present tense. Mm-hmm. Then after a good cudgeling, he does start giving orders. Yep. Yep. Well, we tried it the nice way. Now I'm going to beat you to death and then give some orders. Um, it's yes, a calls nice... Out, he I mean, calls out the elders. And I would just like to say, some of these elders are very young to it, be elders. It's hard. It's a hard life. Mm. It's a hard life north of the wall. <laughs> so they have the, they have the meeting. Um, he says, you got to come south. We're in a war versus the White Walkers. Um they ask what happened to Mance. John says, I shot him through the heart with an arrow. I get that he's sort of trying to say I'm tough, um, but that doesn't go well because they're really mad. And so Tormund has to say he was showing mercy. And I, I vouch for him. I, I like this scene where they're all, we haven't met most of these characters, but they are, it's good that they're skeptical, um, that we need to see their skepticism. Like, you know, we we have no trust here. You built a wall to keep us out. Uh, you know, you, you, you raid our lands and attack us. Um, and, uh, and, uh, I thought that was a really, a really uh, nice scene. And then a group of them, uh, decide, yeah, let's do it. Let's make it happen. And then one of the Fens says, says, nope, forget it. And a bunch of people leave. Yeah. And, we and get- I like I like that a lot actually. Yeah. Because it showed them not all acting in concert. Now that Mance isn't there to unite them right which be- which Tormund says later it's like it took him 20 years to get them all together um i hate thens it's not what they say <laughs> i bleep and hate thens <laughs> nice line uh, but then something happens so this we've got this like some of the people are gonna leave but other people say who cares about the crows we're gonna stay and then the dogs bark and there's a rumble, and there's a bunch of snow and stuff falling off of the hills and the mountains and stuff behind the gates of uh, you, of Hardhome. S- you've skipped over the most ominous sign, 
Which is? With that one wildling lady telling her kids, you get in this boat, I'll oh, yeah. be right behind you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, come on, man. Yeah, that's a bad sign. That's you a might bad as well sign. promise to sing somebody a song the next morning yeah. when they I'll, come back. I'll tell you the story of your true father when I see you next. It's not a good sign. That's right. Just two days from retirement. So there's a, the dogs bark. We know that that's happened before when white rot walkers have been around. There's a rumble. The snow is there. They shut the gates, uh, leaving some people on the outside. Then uh, the people are knocking to get in, and suddenly, eerily, it stops. That was a great moment. <sighs> and everything is silent, and there's this frosty, snowy, <laughs> fog kind of thing that surrounds them. And and uh, Tormund, I think, looks through the hole in the wall. No, it was the no. bad dude, the one who said, I'm not going oh, the with Thin. you jerks. Yeah, the yeah. Thin. Yeah, he looks through the wall, and we look through the wall, camera angle through this little crack in the wall, and you see army of zombies coming to the wall to kill everybody. Yep. And this cool giant who got lots of screen time yeah. suddenly has to look up and realizes they're on the ceiling of the building the little he's hall in. that he's in yeah yeah the giant who's really not uh he's in a bad mood with our uh with, <laughs> with, with our night's watch people and his mood just gets worse yeah he seems touchy yeah well giants i think they're i think they're grumpy but um so and then we get we get in the i didn't realize this was going to happen in this episode um <laughs> and i'll say i'll say that too that as a book as a book reader um this one is off the map too and so that was great because i was completely surprised <laughs> this scene doesn't exist in the books it, it would i think essentially be you know I, yeah i don't know whether it's after the books or it's different from the books i can't quite remember but it, it's like that it's so so when this starts to happen i think oh my what is happening and so like the Blackwater. You know, and like some of these other other episodes, late in the season but not quite at the end. This is a huge, like the like the the uh, attack on the wall. This is a huge action scene as the army of the dead uh, that are being commanded by the White Walkers uh, rush hard home and try to prevent essentially the evacuation of the Wildlings, uh, which I think is smart strategy because when you're when you're the the um, the the white walkers um when the boats come and looks like something is up the last thing you want to do is have them start uh, removing people because not only are those people you have to kill later but those are people you don't get to have in your army yeah so time we, we've been waiting but we can't wait any longer we got to do this attack now before they evacuate this whole place so they attack do they ever attack yeah there's oh, a nice man. moment where john spins around and cuts a zombie in half that i thought was pretty cool just kind of like does a little spin and a zombie runs. Yeah. Doesn't does him the favor of running right into his spinning blade. But that the was last, pretty good. The last time we saw a scene like that, it was the attack on the wall, and in that one too, we got to see John and Tormund fighting their way across courtyards full of enemies. Right. But, right. So we got we got um, the he John calls in the Night's Watch uh, and says with me, which is like almost like they're surely going to die, but they have to do it to get the people have time to get to the boats and and up on the hill there are the the White Walker lords or whatever on their beasts looking down, which is super creepy. John sees them up there. Um, the giant gets really angry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he does. starts beating the crap out of uh, zombies and stuff, which I really like. 
Uh, John goes and tries to find the dragon glass and completely fails, which I thought was fun. Yeah, yeah, he tries to get it, but um, and so so um, Tormund and John end up in that building with the uh, with the like I, I wrote I call them the Walker King. I, I don't know, but he's a you know some one of these White Walkers, and they all dress sort of like they're in their nobility of some kind, and they act like it, right? Because they send their dead army to do their bidding, and they kind of sit up on the hill and watch. But this guy comes in to. Uh, to I don't know supervise to <laughs> I don't know what he's doing but he 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 comes in there maybe he's looking for John I don't know because he they notice John um, and, and uh, Torment says I'll stall him basically which doesn't last very long and, I don't think that was Torment I think that was the uh, Then again oh was that the, oh you no you're right it's I, I I put that in there no it's the Then it's the guy who is so grumpy at the uh, parlay but now he you know. He's he's fighting. He's in his element, and he knows that John's going to get that dragon glass, and he believes that. So he says, "I'll I'll delay him." And you know, the the sword of the White Walker shatters his sword, and he is run through. And uh, then he comes for John. So John tries to get to the dragon glass, but he can't. Uh, he he knocks John off of a high thing, and John's like got the wind knock out of him, and maybe he's broken his ribs who knows john's kind of like trying to crawl around it's looking really bad for john he picks up his sword which we have been reminded recently is forged of valyrian steel it is the sword (laughs) of the lord commander of the night's watch and guess what his sword doesn't shatter when it's hit by the white walker and then when he hits the white walker with the sword just as with dragon glass the white walker shatters into ice so and, we've been given another weapon against the White Walkers. We've and a seen, much better weapon, too, because it's not just like a glass piece is, of glass. Yeah, dragon glass is brittle, but we've seen lots of giant battle swords and knives and stuff made of Valyrian steel. Yeah. So that'll come in way handy. Yeah, it's not super common, but it's still, uh, you know, it's still it, around. It kind of is super common well, on the show. In on the, the show. first season... They mentioned like five different weapons as being Valyrian steel. I think it's mostly like the uh, the wealthy families that have that have that stuff because Valyria has been you know destroyed. So yeah, but they, they've still got it around. But well, anyway, like that, that was a cool moment. That long forgotten dagger that tried to kill Bran. Right. Remember that plot they ditched. Yeah. Valyrian steel. Valyrian Why steel. Not? Sure. Sure. Um, Arya's uh, little uh, little thing. Oh, we didn't even talk about Arya. Oh yeah. How about Arya? She's selling oysters. <laughs> Good She's going to turn right instead of left. She's going to meet a guy who cheats the families of dead captains out of their money. See, they've invented life insurance, but they call it gambling. Yeah. they sell. They, she sells them some oysters, puts some vanilla on it, and, uh, and then uh, goes home to be told that perhaps uh, the next time it won't be vanilla but poison. Vinegar. Oh, was it vinegar? I thought it was yes. vanilla. I he said he wanted plenty choice. of vinegar. It's, right. it's still a strange choice. I'm still not Whatever. Into it. It's a V thing. He Vaseline. Yeah. Whatever. Anyway, it may be poison next time. I don't like Arya talking in a monotone because that's less fun. Yeah. But I enjoyed the life insurance gag because it reminded me of the first time I saw it in The Color of Magic. Ah. Uh-huh. But nice. it's still funny. Yeah, I like that. So, But that was all we got from her. Yeah. Anyway, meanwhile, everybody's <laughs> Thanks, dying. Arya. <laughs> Thanks, Arya. Uh, dead, dead children appear. <laughs> that and was that, creepy. And that, that was creepy. And this is where we lose, uh, what was a very interesting character, the kind of warrior mom. And she was very reasonable. She was going to like go along with, with, uh, Tormund and John's plan. And, uh, but she is overrun by zombie children, 
which is really creepy and gross. Um, and then, then there comes the moment where if you weren't concerned, if you thought maybe they were turning the tide, uh, where they send all of their extra dead bodies over a cliff and they land on the ground and then get up and start yep. to run, which was also effective and creepy and, you know, not stuff that I've seen in The Walking Dead or anything like that, right? This is an army of the dead being commanded by somebody, which is pretty cool. Yeah, this is... As I said earlier, this is a skeleton avalanche. Yeah. Where just the sheer number of mobile things they have allows them to just wash down the gates. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess the closest thing I've seen to something like this is, and I, I haven't got a comprehensive zombie list, but it reminded me a little bit of World War Z in the sense that, you know, you've got a lot of dead things and just the sheer numbers. They can do stuff that you might not expect one to do because you've got lots of them. And there are a whole lot of dead, you know, dead fighters here. Yeah. Uh, in my youth, we refer to these as goblin siege tactics mm. on the grounds that there are usually billions of goblins. So they can just keep running at the wall until there's enough of them that you can run straight up. And yeah, just a pile of dead bodies and you can just use it as a ramp. But in this case, the dead bodies then can stand up after yeah, that. That's pretty, pretty good deal. That's recycling. You know, this is a bad world to sell life insurance in. People die all the time. Yeah, and sometimes come back, which really makes it complicated. Yeah. So um, so the giant takes his flaming pole and they all run to the sea. <laughs> the, uh, the black riders are still watching them from above. The, the giant just gets more and more pissed off as he goes. <laughs> I so, love that giant. He yeah. is my favorite. He just keeps hitting people with his flaming stick. They get in the boats. He just keeps walking out into the water and hitting more <laughs> zombies with the flaming stick. Um, and then there's a nice, quiet, creepy moment at the very end where, whereas John and the last boat is kind of going back along with the giant who is wading out to the boats. Um, the white, the this one white walker lord kind of walks to the end of the pier and he raises his hands and and all of the people who've just been killed by the dead stand their eyes turn blue and they stand up and now they're part of the army and we see some of the people who we've seen fighting on our side and dying and now they're standing and they're part of the army of the dead and it's silent <laughs> and that's the end of the episode that dude looked a lot like Voldemort he was he was scary, yeah, and, and creepy, and what a uh, I you know this was this was pretty amazing. I thought I thought they did a really good job with it, and and the, not only was the fighting good, and I thought the geography kind of worked, but I really like the fact that after so we we get little tidbits of the army of the dead and the and the and of the White Walkers, and here here they are at their most chilling because here it's not like they're out for a ride and they ran into people and killed them here it's no we're coming for you this is all part of our plan we know who you are we're watching you we've got an army and we are going to kill you all and that yeah. is very clear in this episode yeah we finally get a sense that first of all when they attack they are organized yeah they're all under the control of those guys up there and also like you said you're not just bumping into them by accident they really are attacking. Yeah. They yeah, are winter. They're coming. Yeah. Earlier, it would be like, oh, we're in the forest. Oh, no, there's White Walkers here. Well, we're dead. Yeah. And now, now it's like, no, they're going to, they're, they're here to, to kill you. They have come to kill you. And that presumably, the survivors will be able to tell the story and perhaps even ha be believed that we've seen this now. 
Unless Ollie kills all of them when they go into that tunnel. Yep. Yep, that's the big thing is are they gonna are they gonna let them all back in? If they're on boats, can they just like go around the you know, the coast and not even go through the wall? Boy, you would think so. You would think so. I mean, where the wall is in the opening map is not particularly close to the water. Right. Oh, incidentally, about the opening map. Yes. I feel bad that this is my first time noticing it, but I'm very excited that Dorn comes after Marine. It does. It's like the last the last stop. They go yeah. all the way back to Dorn, which is sticking out toward Essos. Well, for the first several seasons, it's always ending with Winterfell, then the Wall, then whatever city Daenerys is in. Right. To have something happening after Daenerys makes it feel to me more like Daenerys is part of everything else. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Now it's the the snake people who are out on the end. Yeah. Their little snake city. Well, so what'd you think? What, this was, this was, you know, there's some stuff that happens in, in, in this in terms of like the, like plot stuff. But then in the end, it, there's, there's just this huge not knockdown drag out scene at the end. What'd you think? Uh, I thought it was a pretty cool knockdown drag out fight. I am starting to get a little, I miss color. Everything oh. that happens at the wall or north has no color, no color. in it. And I, and, the, I, and, se- and usually King's Landing is good for color, but not when you're in a dirty <laughs> cell. Yeah. I mean, between King's Landing and the cells, the wall all being practically black and white. Yeah. And in, inside uh, of of, uh, uh, of Winterfell, there's nothing there. Arya's scene, she had one outside, but mostly she's inside being interrogated by candlelight. Yeah. If it weren't for Daenerys, we'd never get to see the sun. Right. Which I wonder if that's on purpose. I don't know. Maybe I'm being programmed to look oh. forward to Daenerys because she's... She's going to bring color back into the world? Yeah. Fire and color? When we see Daenerys, the col- the scene is richer and more vibrant, so oh. I'm... Eh. Maybe. What did you think of it? Uh, I thought this was a good episode. I, I, I liked the Daenerys and Tyrion stuff a whole lot. I thought the other scenes were quick and, you know, they're just like, yep, Cersei's in a cell. Like that first scene with Cersei in the cell is great. It's like 30 seconds long. It's like, yeah. hey, remember Cersei's in the cell? And this show is one of those shows where they can spend the whole episode tell- showing you a thing that you already saw. So it was nice that those those scenes were quick and they moved and they, they served, it felt like they served a purpose. Now I hate to say that it takes them until they're in episode eight and they know they've only got two left to feel, feel like the story is really kicking into gear. Kind of <laughs> feel like there, there was a lot of sag this season where there was not a lot. They're like, eh, well, let's just kind of slowly move forward. And now here we feel it kicking into gear because everything has, you know, pretty much everything has a point to it, and then the stuff at the end. Yeah, I thought that was I thought that was great. Plus, it took it's delightful now that this show takes me by surprise because we're off the map so much <laughs> when it comes to this stuff. Um, and I love that we got to see the real threat that we've been talking about, but I've only seen kind of sporadically. And it ends up being this uh, instead of it being kind of a boring scene of John talking some people into getting in a boat with him, it becomes this totally. Uh, creepy, crazy attack on the on the wildlings and the and the guys from the Night's Watch by the White Walkers. I thought that was uh, that was pretty great because that's like there there's game on with the White Walkers now. They're not just massing their power and preparing for winter to come. They're you know mounting 
actual attacks. That's pretty big. Yeah, they're they're definitely coming. Now, let me ask you this. In previous seasons, the second to last episode has been where everything goes down. That's where you get the attack on the wall. That's where you get Blackwater. Yep. Does that mean they're going to raise the stakes next episode? It makes me wonder. Or or whether there'll be a very different kind of... Uh kind of last episode and maybe that's how it changes so so just for for reference in in episode nine of season one ned gets beheaded in episode nine of season two is the battle of the Blackwater. episode nine of season three is the red wedding <laughs> episode nine of season four is the assault on the wall episode nine of season five is next week not <laughs> this week so what does that mean i don't know maybe it's just that they they decided that this was the perfect uh thing for their showpiece and that they've got a lot of uh resolution and setup to do in the last two episodes or maybe there's something coming that is uh that that we can't even anticipate now but um but it is a good point to make that episode Nine is usually the one with the big shocker, and that didn't happen. It was episode eight this time. Or so it looks now. Or was it? Mm. That's Yeah, I probably was. <laughs> but it was, it, was, it was a lot of fun and a great scene. And I, I want to watch it again because I want to I – it was so foreboding too. Like when, you, when you've got a supernatural enemy and you don't really know what all the rules are, that's also interesting. Like at the very end where the White Walker Lord raises his hands, I was thinking like, is he going to like just make – all the water turned to ice so that the zombies can go out and kill everybody. Yeah. And that could have been, but instead, no, he just raises everybody from the dead uh, show off. And, <laughs> but uh, that, that, that amps up the tension when you don't actually know what all the rules are. Yeah. Anything else? Um, I have no further comments to make at this time. Okay. I have one note, which is something that we mentioned last time that uh, I wanted to mention uh, uh, it's some follow-up, which is rare for us, podcast follow-up. But <laughs> listener Chris wrote in with a link that I will try to put in the show notes to a video made by Brady, Brady Heron, who some people may know as one of the co-hosts with uh, with CGP Gray of the Hello Internet podcast. Uh, he made a, a YouTube video where featuring an astronomer, discussing why winter is coming <laughs> with lots of theories about why the seasons could be as irregular as they are in Westeros, which we talked about last week. So I'll put that in the show notes. It's a, it's a pretty fun clip where, uh, where he talks about various geographic and astronomical re- uh, possibilities, you know, other than the, I think the, the most obvious one, which he mentions, which is, or you could just throw up your hands and say, it's magic, which I think is what George R. R. Martin's done, but still it's a fun video. So I'll, I'll try to put that in the notes. Yeah. All right. That's it. So we're off to, uh, off to episode nine next week. Season's almost over. It's almost over. Yeah. Next week's episode is actually called the dance of dragons. Ooh. So maybe you'll get somebody dancing with dragons after all. Now, the Dragon Cotillion <laughs> is happening in Marine next Sunday night. How long do you figure it'll be before all the storylines have gone past where the books end? I feel like it may be this season. Wow. I feel I feel like I feel like by the time we get to the end of this season, they may have exhausted everything that's been in the published books. That's my that's my guess right now. Is that this will this will be it? There are 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some stuff, but I'll, some of the stuff that they haven't covered, I don't think they're going to cover because they've already started to change some of the storylines around that. So I think I think we're largely off the map. There's some there's some some more Jon Snow story that I expect to be, and, and some of the Winterfell Ramsey uh, or the Boltons and and uh, and and Stannis's army. But really, we are running out rapidly of stuff that's been covered. So I think I think we're kind of um, we're not off the map yet. But I think we're we're about to completely fall off the map when season five is over. Exciting. Yeah. And it's already happening. I mean, there's already stuff happening that hasn't happened in the books. So because they're 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 paying off some of the stories at at, 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 diff- at different rates from the others. So that's also interesting. All right. Well, we'll be back next week or some combination of us. Um, we'll be back. It may not be me, but I'm sure Monty will be here. <laughs> Probably, yeah. I'm pretty confident. And hopefully Brian's computer will be fixed and he'll he'll be back. (laughs) As long as it holds together for an hour and a half like it did last week, everything will be fine. Exactly. And then he can take it back to the Apple Store again. All right. Well, thank you to everybody out there for listening. Monty, a pleasure as always. Thank you, Jason. I enjoyed it as well. Yep. Excellent. And we will see you next week. 